This is the Mount Carmel Christian Church Podcast. Today, Senior Minister Dee Dee Bacon will be teaching the message. We're going to continue on in our series. Actually, this is the last of our series as we teach on the Holy Spirit. Titled the series, Power. Thinking about power got me thinking about my favorite toys as a kid. There were two. Uh, I had a Batman cape and cap, which was pretty cool, that I loved. But my most favorite was uh, a cape my mom made for me. It was a blue cape, elastic band round with a, you know, paper clip. Uh, you had tied it around here with a safety pin. And that was my Superman cape. And I used to just love running around with it flowing behind me, pretending to be Superman. We love superheroes, and we love superhero stories, and I often wonder why. Why is it that we, we enjoy that? We like to buy the comics. We like to go to the movies. And you think about a superhero story is basically an ordinary person like Clark Kent is somehow really an extraordinary person, Superman, and that his life mission is dedicated to using his superhuman powers for good. Now, if they're a bad person, if they're a bad character, they use it for bad. But in general, the storyline of, of a superhero movie is ordinary person gifted with extraordinary powers to do extraordinary things. And I wonder why that captivates our attention as much as it does, why it's such a, a, a big thing, massive amount of money spent on the movies, a massive amount of money spent on Comic-Con, massive amount of money spent on uh, people buying the comics and reading the comics. Why? And I believe it has to do with the story contained for us in the Bible that tells us that we as human beings are not as we were meant to be. We're not as we were created, that there is something missing in each one of us, and what's missing is a connection, being right with God, a fellowship with God, that causes us to be in a state where we are less than. And perhaps our desire to read superhero stories and be connected with superheroes is really a desire that comes from our own heart to be at a place where we're meant to be, to be a place where we're right with God, and we are gifted by the gifts and resources God gives us for us to do things bigger than ourselves, to be a, for us to be part of something bigger than ourselves, for us in many ways to be superheroes in some form, even though we're ordinary people. The good news, obviously, we've said this before here, the good news is the Bible says that we can be made right with God through faith in Jesus. It's a gift of grace. God sent His Son into the world. He was fully man, so he could represent us, and he was fully God, so that his life value was equal to the cost required for each one of us to pay for our disobedience, for our sin. And because of what Jesus did on the cross, he, he died on the cross, laid down his innocent life for our guilty lives. Because he did that, we now have a way in which we can be right with God if we believe through faith. And it's, it's not just he died, he rose again from the dead, which means he gives life. 
And so not only are we promised a new identity, but the Bible says we are provided a new life. And that new life means that God's Spirit lives with us. We have fellowship with Him in our day-to-day. And because God's Spirit is with us, the Holy Spirit is with us, He resources us to do things that go beyond ourselves. He gives to us what we need to do things to be obedient to God, to honor God, things that we could not do on our own strength by our own means. But praise be to God for His gift His Spirit that allows us to do that. And the means by which this happens is what we find in Scripture is described as spiritual gifts, gifts that originate from the Holy Spirit that facilitate ordinary people doing extraordinary things to the honor and glory of God. Now, there are two passages of Scripture that I want us to look at regarding spiritual gifts. There's a lot of chatter, there's a lot of uh, noise, and I think there's a lot of misunderstanding about what spiritual gifts are all about. This is something that's common today, and it was uh, common back in first century times when the Bible was first written. We have two letters written both by the Apostle Paul where he addresses the issue of spiritual gifts. The first letter he writes to the Corinthians, the church in Corinth that he established. It took a long time to establish this church. He put a lot of effort into this church, and it got up and going, and it started to really flourish, and then all of a sudden they had a major amount of problems. While it was extremely gifted and talented and blessed, it was a church that had a lot of Issues and main issues surrounded the fact that they were practicing things that were causing major divisions, cliques and groups who were not working together as the church, but instead working on their own for their own needs. And one of the things that, that was causing division was their practice or understanding of how God works through spiritual gifts. The Corinthians bought into the notion, a notion that's common perhaps in some churches even today, they bought into the notion that the mark of your status with God is reflected by the demonstration of certain uh, dramatic or, or spectacular gifts, specifically speaking in tongues and, 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 and all those dramatic firework kind of gifts. And they said, if you don't have that, it means that you're less than. And there was a cause of division within the church because of that. And so Paul has to give instruction on spiritual gifts. He has to go back to the basics and say, no, no, you remember what spiritual gifts are all about, which proves useful for us because now we have uh, some basics on how God works through spiritual gifts. And so if you turn with me to 1 Corinthians 12, beginning at verse 7, this is what he says. He says, but each one, he's referring to each person within the church, specifically at Corinth, but we can apply it to ourselves today. If you are a member of the church, member of Mount Carmel Christian Church, if this is church family is your church home, you've committed yourself uh, to be part of this local congregation, you are a Jesus follower at Mount Carmel, this applies to you, but each one is given the manifestation, the demonstration, the, the sign, the, the gift of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom. What is that? Wisdom is the ability to say the right thing in the right way for the right results at the right time. Uh, wisdom basically means skill. And there are people in life that are gifted by the Spirit to be able to provide what you need in counsel or direction or action, skill to do the right thing in the right way for the right results at the right time. For to one is the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge, information that you might not have access to, but the Spirit provides that information to help. 
for the common good, right? According to the same spirit, he says. To another faith, the ability to remain faithful to God, the ability to have what it takes to, to stand firm in the midst of trial and temptation, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing. That's pretty obvious. Uh, God gives within the church the ability for individuals to, to pray in Jesus' name for the healing of others who are sick and need uh, for their bodies to be recovered. Healing by the one spirit. And to another, the effecting of miracles. A miracle is something that cannot be explained by the natural but only by the power of God. And to another prophecy, prophecy means to preach, to speak, thus saith the Lord. And to another distinguishing of spirits, the ability to discern whether the source of some spiritual movement or, or, or communication is, is from God or if it's from some other source, some other spiritual source, a, a demon perhaps. And to another various kinds of tongues, the ability to speak in different language. And to another, the ability to interpret what is spoken so that those who are uh, not understanding can understand. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributed, distributing to each one individually as He wills. Now, we're going to come back to Corinthians in a moment. Let's just move now on to the Romans text, Romans 12. Again, Apostle Paul, this time he's writing a letter to a church already established in first century Rome. His desire is to go to this church and share with them what he has been teaching, what he has been preaching, the good news, uh, through the years of his ministry. And the good news for him summarizes this. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, God has provided a way for us to be right with him through faith in Jesus. That's his basic message. That's the good news. You don't have to earn your way to God You can, because that way is blocked because none of us is good enough. No, God has provided a way by grace through faith at baptism for good works, and that allows us to have a new status in him through faith in Jesus. And that's basically the summary of Romans, and Romans is a full explanation of, of, of that message. In that message, first 11 chapters of Romans, Paul talks uh, about what it means to be right with God through faith in Jesus. He, it's an explanation. It's a teaching. It's theology. Chapter 12, we shift gears, and Paul writes this way in all his letters. He shifts gears to what I would say the so what. So what? Now that we know this is true, how does this apply to our life? So what that we believe this, this is how it's to look like as you live for God. And in the beginning of chapter 12, verse 1, he gives this as uh, what he's, what, where he's shifting gears in his teaching. He says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the miracle mercies of God, to present your bodies as living and holy sac- as a holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Based on what you've heard me explain, the first 11 of chapters about God's grace, based upon that, I'm urging you now to give your life, your day-to-day, to God as an act of worship. This is the appropriate response, the appropriate thank you to what God has done through grace and what you believe through faith. And then he goes into details from 12 all the way to the end of the letter. He goes into the details of what this looks like in practical terms. And what it looks like involves being involved in church, a community of believers, serving God, being gifted by God to benefit the mission of the church, to benefit others. This is what he says in verse 6. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, so there are different gifts given to each, just as he said in in, in Corinthians, each of us is to exercising them accordingly. 
If prophecy, according to proportion to the proportion of his faith. If service, in his serving. Or he who teaches, in his teaching. Or he who exhorts, in his exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He shows mercy with cheerfulness. And so what do these two passages, 1 Corinthians 12 and, 1, and Romans 12, tell us? Well, there's three things that I think are important for us to take home. First of all, we have to acknowledge both passages say that it is the Holy Spirit who decides who gets what and when we get it when it comes to spiritual gifts. The Holy Spirit is the origin of the supernatural gifts given to individuals for fulfillment of His will and being in obedience to His Word. We don't manufacture spiritual gifts. We don't, uh, we don't sign up for them. It is not something you look on a profile and say, oh, this is what I got and this is what I need to do. No, it is something that is given to us by the Spirit. And in our day-to-day -day living then, if we're interested in Holy Spirit gifts, then we have to understand that what is required is for us to give ourselves to being obedient to the leadership of the Spirit in our day-to-day, -to, -day, to submit ourselves to be open to the opportunities the Spirit will give us to serve, to fulfill mission that he calls us to do, and that mission is to love God, love people, to, to serve him. And when we do that, the Spirit will give us the gifts we need to fulfill that. Second observation, the Holy Spirit gives us gifts for another. Specifically, he gives us gifts to bless another. He says, the Spirit gives gifts for the common good. Now, remember, when we talk about this passage of Scripture, Tim Peace pointed out this last week. He said, we need to remember that when we see you in the Bible, it's not you single, it's you plural. This is a we thing, not a me thing. And when you have a spiritual gift, it is not for you, your self-edification, your self-gratification, your self-promotion. No, a spiritual gift is for usage to bless another, for usage in the work of God's ministry, for usage in the context of the body to honor and bless another, to help others learn to love God and to love people. That is what spiritual gifts are all about. Spiritual gifts are directly tied to ministry. And so when you are available to do ministry, you activate the spiritual gifts as the Holy Spirit assigns. Which brings me to my third observation. If we're interested in spiritual gifts, and Paul says we need to seek the spiritual gifts, how do we do that? Well, we do that by submitting our lives, as Paul says, day-to-day -day sacrificing, submitting our lives to the service of God. We do that by being obedient to the opportunities God provides us to serve. That's what he means in Romans 12. Hey, if you're called to lead, then lead. If you're called to give, then give. If you're called to have faith, then have faith. If you're called to, to be able to uh, have mercy, do it with cheerfulness. Basically, he says, when you're called to these gifts, you activate them by saying yes. And, you know, the opposite is true as well, right? If you are disobedient and say no to God's prompts to serve, you deactivate the gifts. You won't receive the gifts. You won't be blessed with God's supernatural resource to fulfill the calling of faith that He's placed on your life. And so we as a church, we as a church look at Scripture and we see what Scripture teaches is that God works in this way. He trains us up with baby steps, right? 
He who is faithful with little will be blessed with much. And in the course of our development, as we learn to walk with the Spirit and as we learn to trust our day-to-day to Him, it's important for us to recognize the value of things that we might call entry-level ministry, things that we might call uh, basic ministry, things that we might think of just, well, I don't know about that uh, because it seems such a little thing. We need to see the value of when we say yes to the small things like greeting and making coffee and uh, serving with our children and we're serving with our students and going on mission trips and and serving during the week and and the local mission opportunities we have and hosting a small group and leading a small group and teaching a small group. All those things are opportunities by which we say yes to God to serve and in saying yes, we then train ourselves to be obedient to the Spirit so that we see the activation of His resources that He provides for us to bless others. Because ultimately we need to recognize that when it comes to spiritual gifts, we have to understand the Holy Spirit provides what I need to bless another. That's how it works. And if I'm interested in the gifts of the Spirit, then I have to orientate my life by which I am open to be a blessing to another, whatever that is which makes everything that I think is ordinary, my day-to-day, my job, my, my going to work, my, in the, my walking and shopping in the store, my, my life, whether I'm a, a sweeper of streets or I'm a top-level CEO, everything in my life now becomes consecrated to God as an opportunity for me to be used by God, be gifted by the Spirit to bless another as a part of the local congregation, as a part of the church. You see... When we orientate our lives towards obedience to the opportunities God provides within the church, the Spirit provides what I need to bless another. And that is a spiritual gift. I had the awesome privilege this summer to see this come alive in the form of a mission trip to Houston. Hence the uh, T-shirt. This is the second time we've been to Houston. And uh, we had the opportunity to work on 14 different projects. I had the opportunity to be with an awesome group of 83 folks, uh, 60-something folks from Mount Carmel Christian Church, and the rest were from Parkside Christian Church. It was a partnership of love and ministry where we were able to uh, help minister to families who were still dealing, after two years, dealing with the effects of Hurricane Harvey. Families, a couple of families hadn't been able to operate in their house for two years or one family hadn't been able to cook in their kitchen properly for two years because of the devastation of that flooding. And, and let's be honest, while, you know, the cameras move out and all the attention's gone, there's still people still in the ground who are unable to get their lives back together because of the, nas- the disaster that occurred. And so we have that opportunity to do that. That's where God called us to do that. And I'm going to ask a group of uh, those that went with us to come out and share a little bit. Uh, Before we do that, I want to show you this uh, video. We got stuck at Baltimore on our way back. And this is kind of a reflection of just just how awesome this group is and how crazy they are and just what a pleasure they are to work with. Um, We were slap happy, a lot of traveling. We were delayed in Baltimore. We were like, eh, and someone came up with the idea, let's do this mannequin challenge. And uh, I didn't know what a mannequin challenge was, but they told me, and uh, here's the result. Enjoy. That dude in purple, I don't know who he was, but he was just filming us. I don't know what it was all about. 
The goal of mannequin challenge is to be still, to be like a mannequin. Some people on my team didn't know what that meant, but just forgive them, please. We have no idea who this kid is. Uh. <laughs> All right, so we got a full crowd today. Third service, way to go. Uh, let's see, Stacy, uh, Tim Wall, Matt Weber, Noah Anderson, Ken Wiley, right? Yeah, and uh, Tim Pride. Tim, uh, Tim's been with me uh, all three services. And uh, we're going to kick off with Tim, as Tim is, the, uh, is our leader, and uh, he and his team, his leadership team, I tell you what, it's just been impressive. I was with, uh, we always with the team over 10 years ago with our first mission trip, one of our first mission trips to New Orleans, and to see where we were then, to see where we now, it's, uh, it's absolutely amazing. Um, Tim's team, just the coordination of logistics, from scouting the jobs to setting up the jobs to materials to tools to uh, ensuring the travel arrangements of 83 people to feeding them to making sure the vans are running and getting to the places they need to uh, dealing with the laundry of our shirts. We had uh, two shirts and we had to wear one every day. So the one you wore in the day uh, got nasty. And if it wasn't for the, the blessed uh, ministry of washing, uh, it would have been more miserable. Uh, <laughs> our shirts were probably a walk to us when we called them because they stunk so badly. Um, but uh, that was just absolutely amazing. So, uh, Tim, just kind of uh, just give us an overview of uh, the trip, the jobs, the work. Uh, do you think? All right. Um, we went to Houston last year, which I didn't plan on going to Houston any time, but uh, not especially not two years in a row. But um, we became pretty evident to us that Houston was where we were supposed to be again. We looked into the Florida panhandle. We looked into Alabama, and doors just kept shutting there. And actually, Houston, the organization we worked with, 4B, they contacted me to see if we could come back down this year. So once we uh, started investigating the possibilities of that, it became pretty evident that's where we were supposed to go. Um, like Dee Dee said, we had 83, so being that, we divided everybody up into groups of teams of, oh, it was probably six to eight on a team. We, each team would have one, if not two, team leads, and 
all these people up here on stage were part of those team leads. And if not for them, these trips wouldn't be as successful as they are. It's amazing what they get done. Um, we worked on 14 different projects. Three of the houses, people are still not in their houses after two years. One of them, I believe, we, one of them we worked on last year, and then we were blessed to work on their house again this year. And I believe she is now in her house. Um, they were sleeping in a camper that they were renting month to month, and I think she had it paid up through September. But when we left there, everything was ready that she could move into her house. Uh, another couple families were living in their houses that shouldn't have been living there. Um, one of them, when we left, they, they commented to the team, they said, it's, it feels like home again. Hmm. So that was neat to see. Uh, another one had no kitchen for two years. I, actually, out on the board, there's a transformation, the before and the after pictures. It's amazing what these guys did in four and a half days, basically. Um, there was a lot of tears shed there as she had a kitchen, and actually she prepared a meal for them. So. But these are the stars of the show over here. These are the ones that make everything happen, kept, kept the gears running. I just gave them a little shove. Yeah, or shove, sort of. You know, one of the things, we talk about ministry opportunities. I, I believe our church, Mount Carmel Christian Church, has been called to a unique opportunity that I think uh, is captured by my good friend Tim here. Um, when a national some kind of calamity occurs, um, there's a lot of attention given to that, which is rightfully so, where, wherever it is. And people are like, well, aren't we going? Why don't we respond? And we felt like our calling is usually to go, we say, when the cameras are over and the trucks or media trucks have left, that's when our people go in. Because you realize after some kind of major national thing, there's a lot of attention, a lot of people, a lot of resource going there, and then everyone leaves on to the next thing, and there are a lot, a lot of people still left with dealing with the devastation, whether it be that their house is not worked on at all because just in all the craziness, uh, nothing was done, or they received money from FEMA, from insurance, they, in good faith, looked to get a contractor who ended up robbing them, doing a bad job, destroying what, you know, really messing things up, and are in serious need of someone to come back and honestly put things in order and take care of it, which we've seen over the years quite frequently. So I, I really believe we are called to this unique mission, and God has gifted us, starting with Tim, but also just the folks within the congregation and our calling, to go back a year or two, and sometimes even three, obviously, uh, almost, with situations where we go in and quietly just take care of things uh, with people who are still struggling to, to get help. And no one is giving them an attention because, you know, as things are these days, we're on to the next thing. So uh, that's just kind of a cool thing. I just wanted to, to raise that. And I think that's where God is called to do that. So I'm going to, I had two questions, everybody, and I know you studied up on those. So I'm going to melt them into one. So we've got, we've got a good crew, and we'll just take moments to share. We'll start with, with uh, Big Tim at the end there. But just sh share with us, if you can, how you said yes to this opportunity. You took time away. Uh, I would say everyone here took time and vacation and away from family and from work. You took time away to uh, fulfill a calling to this mission trip. Share with us how you witnessed God working in that, how God gifted you through that, and, it, you know, just seeing um, what God sightings just really touched your heart through this week and this time together. Tim. 
Uh, my name is Tim. Uh, I had the fantastic privilege of being able to work as one of the co-leads with uh, John Ziff, and we got to work with Matt Weber, uh, had a great crew. One of the things that, um, doing mission work, uh, this is my second trip with Mount Carmel. I've gone on other trips with other churches. Uh, for me, missions trips are threefold. And this trip was, um, it was, uh, it was really cool because the majority of my family got to go with me. Uh, so for those of you that don't know, uh, we have six boys. Uh, I was hopeful that uh, my bride and all six boys would be able to go with, but uh, as it worked out, it was uh, four sons and a daughter. So that, that worked out pretty cool too. But um, uh, it, it's, it's threefold for me. Uh, you're not going just to hammer and, and screw wood together and hang drywall. You're, that's part of it. But you're really going to bring hope to those who are in a time where they need some hope. Um, about 15 years ago, my bride and I, we had a fire. And in that fire, we lost everything that wasn't on our back. And through this community, uh, Mount Carmel and several other churches, they brought hope to us and showing us the hands and feet of Jesus. And because of that, I feel compelled uh, whenever I get the opportunity to give back and to pay it forward. Yeah. And so, uh, because of that, was also able, I'm sorry, uh, for my sons and my daughter to go down and experience not only being a blessing, but also taking away how God moves uh, in your life to be that hope to people who are in time of need. Um, Proverbs 17:17 17, 17 is one that's very close to our family. That uh, a friend is there in time of need, and a brother or a, a friend is is there in time of adversity, and a brother is born for time of need. And so we always want to live that out. Um, lastly, how I saw God move is um, I was in the attic. We were hanging some insulation and, and some drywall. And my one son, uh, who has had his ups and downs with his faith. And here recently, we've had a lot of really honest and gritty con uh, conversations about where he was and is with Christ. And he said, Dad, uh, we're dripping with sweat. And he says, you know, I've listened to all kinds of filthy music and I've filled my head with all kinds of crap. And he says, and the only song I can think of right now is How Great Is Our God. Mm -hmm. So, I was very blessed by that. So, um, so yeah, three things is that uh, my, uh, my, my desire to pay it forward, um, the opportunity to commune with other fellows and, and ladies from, from Mount Carmel, it's a fantastic opportunity to get to know your fellow brothers and sisters. And then uh, for me specifically, being able to spend that time with my family. So it's, uh, it's a beautiful opportunity. If, uh, if you get the chance, I highly suggest you take hold of it. Because cool. God will move in ways that will make your heart swell. So, Noah, you got the mic. Yeah. Um, so there's always there's always uncertainty 
going on these trips. And it might sound weird, but uh, I feel like that's, that's honestly a big reason why I go on these trips. Um, because I think it's very easy to get complacent and to get comfortable. Um, and to be a good person, but to not stretch yourself and go outside your comfort zone. Um, and I work in construction, so sometimes what we work on might be in my comfort zone, but spiritually um, and mentally there are a lot of challenges on these trips. And even just when it comes down to the details of where we're going, how we're going to get there, who we're going to work with, um, it can make you feel a little bit anxious. But I've gone on several of these trips now, uh, and God always does amazing things. So when people ask me, like, what's, what's your favorite trip? Because I feel like a lot of us have, have gotten that question. I never, I never have a favorite trip. It's like every trip that we go on is my new favorite because there's just there's awesome things that happen on the trip. And it's, maybe it's partly to do with, with all of us, but it's mainly just because of God using us and because we're putting ourselves in a situation where we're forced to trust in him. And even though that's a little bit scary, it's also very reassuring uh, because like I just said, he's never, he's never let us down. They're always incredibly fulfilling, but also incredibly uncomfortable uh, and they stretch us in different ways. Um, but that's a huge blessing. And an example of that is uh, the, team, the team I was with, we, midway through the week, we kind of finished the job and we were placed on another job um, for this man named Mike Joy, who eventually got the nickname Eeyore, who <laughs> you can probably, probably guess who gave him that nickname. But uh, let's just say he wasn't the most joyful person. And it was because he had manic depression, um, which I'd, I'd never really heard about. I heard about depression, um, never experienced anyone with manic depression, which is basically depression times 10. Um, and you could just tell meeting him, he was hopeless. He didn't have any, any hope in his life and he had been burned multiple times. So, needless to say, he was very, very skeptical when, uh, when we showed up at his door. Um, and it started out okay, but then our team got there the next morning and spent the whole day there. And it was, <clears throat> excuse me, it was like he was fighting us the whole time, um, stopping us from working because he was afraid we were going to mess something up. Um, honestly, it was very, very discouraging to us. And... None of us were used to that. You're used to going on these trips, giving hope to people, not them taking it away from you. So kind of a rough first day, but then at the end of it, um, we all just kind of debriefed, we talked, and then the following day, which was, the fr it was our last day, uh, was a Friday, we uh, opened up in prayer, and I was like, guys, we have a half day. Let's just get the work done. Let's be encouraging to him. Let's be encouraging to one another. If he tries to drag us down, we can't let that happen. Um, and it ended up being just a really good day. And he, he apologized um, for some of the things he had said for being very difficult, because he was well aware that he was. Um, but it was just, it was an amazing opportunity to see 
our team come together uh, in a time where it was kind of hopeless. It was, it was a very discouraging situation, uh, but it was just really cool to see all of us come together, build each other up, build him up, um, and get the job done. And I'm blessed to be able to, to work with uh, my coworker. He was actually with us on the trip. He was my co-lead, John Schott. And uh, he definitely helped keep me sane. <laughs> it was frustrating, but we just kind of built off of each other. We encouraged one another, like I said. Um, and actually, Timmy just showed me a text before we came out from Mike Joy, um, just kind of praising us and sharing his appreciation for us. So that, that was very cool to see. Because um, not only does that feel good, but it's just it's very encouraging to know that uh, we did instill a little bit of hope in him. Cool. Thank you, Noah. Ken. Well, for, I'm Ken Wiley, and for a long time, you know, I've wanted to go on these mission trips, but it all, there's always been a conflict of interest for me in the summertime because uh, for the past 26 years, uh, I've been at junior high church camp. Well, this summer, my grandson was getting married, and he lives in San Antonio, so we was already in Texas, so I thought, hey, we might as well go on to Houston. And uh, so then the day we left for Houston, uh, my very good friend, Lori Conley, passed away. So, uh, you know, on the way to Houston, it's, I, I really wasn't feeling it. But when I get there and, you know, with the brothers and sisters that we have and we share, and a lot of people knew Lori, so that was, that was quite comforting to me. And uh, the team that I worked with, you know, we had quite a few young people that worked with us. And I tell you, we've got some incredible youth in this church. It's just amazing the work that I've seen those kids do uh, nonstop without complaining. And the house we worked in was the, the one where it, at the end of the week, the woman said, what, well, it feels like a home again. Two years before the hurricane, this family had a fire and their house was totally gutted by fire and they'd been in the process of putting it back together when the hurricane hit and they had water in their house three foot deep for five weeks, so everything had to be gutted again. And these people were still living in this house. They was using blankets for walls and for doors. Uh, they had one complete working bathroom. Well, I take that back. It wasn't complete because there was no sink in there. They had to use the kitchen sink, you know, to brush your teeth, wash your hands. And uh, we ended up... Uh, Joe Wheeler uh, does an amazing job as a plumber. Uh, the guys that work with him, you know, they went in and in the bathroom and uh, had to chisel down through about four inches of cement to get to the pipe, working in dirty, nasty water, and smiling the whole time, and you know, uh, it, not getting anything for it, just a satisfaction of knowing that they're they're bringing hope to people, and that was the amazing thing to me, just. At the end of the week, you know, we didn't see much of the family. You know, mom's working during the day. Dad, he had been severely burned when he was nine years old, uh, and he was disabled, so we didn't see much of him. But at the end of the week, when we got done, and uh, the lady came back home, and she said, you know, it, it looks like a home again. <laughs> and, you know, the, the dad, who we didn't see much of during the week, you know, he wanted to give us all a hug, and they were just so appreciative of, of the hope that, that we brought to them, and it was just um, very fulfilling, and like Noah said, if you, you ever get the chance to take one of these trips, it's very worth your while. Cool. 
Matt. My name's Matt Weber. This is my third year of uh, going on the mission trips. And uh, I guess the first question is why. Um, it was, it, it's amazing when you do go and, and just to be with the people that are on these trips. Like uh, Tim said, I got to spend time with him. And uh, yes, he was in the attic. And uh, so we, we had Tim over our head, so we did pray a lot. But uh, so it, it worked out really well. But uh, our home that you know we went and worked in was no AC. So uh, in Texas, that was always fun the first couple of days. So that was our very first thing is to get the AC going. But the really reason why is is you you get to be with really great people, and and like I said, it's a very difficult situation working and hot temperatures and, and everything else, and everybody just laughed. We had a good time the whole time, no matter how difficult. You know, it's 90 degrees out. We're putting insulation in the attic, you know. So you, you would think that that would be really down, you know, but the, the team just was unbelievable. They just kept on, you know, going at it. But, you know, and it's just so rewarding. You know, when you, you get done and you know that you've changed somebody's life, you get you get that feeling and, uh, you know, you just feel great about you. And I've always been amazed at all three trips, what Tim does in the organization. I, I know what it takes to do some of that stuff, and it's just always unbelievable to me, you know, the support group, um, the ladies doing the meals. Uh, I could just say I go for the food. Yeah. You know, so, but that's, uh, it just, everything that comes together and, and the support, I think that's what amazes people when you go on these trips and people have seen the churches, have seen other groups, we come in there and they're just so organized. Uh, they always say how, you know, we're just take care of everything and, and usually the place is always better when we leave than it was. So it, it just makes us feel, you know, good and uh, I think the, the God sightings that, you know, you see every day is just those things coming together and, um, you know, the support and, you know, everybody just getting things done and, and making a difference. Um, but, you know, and getting to work with, you know, Tim's uh, boys and be able to, hey, you need to do this. And, you know, we really, you know, came together and, and being able to change their lives too. Cool. So just an Thank awesome you. feeling. Stacy, wrap us up. Okay. Um, I've been very blessed when we came to Mount Carmel 15 years ago. I think maybe about 14 years ago we went to uh, Jamaica and then New Orleans after that. So I've been blessed to go on all of the trips since then and um, also part participate in helping to plan. I think one thing I love about the trips is that they're always unique. We may repeat where we go, but we may stay in a different place. So there's always um, unexpected turns, and we have to figure out how to do things differently. Cook in a, a, a kitchen the size of a postage stamp a couple of years ago was pretty interesting. Um, but I love being a part of the planning. I love working with the women that I don't know this year, almost every woman that was in the kitchen, it was the first time for them. Um, it was a great blessing for me to make um, new friends in that environment. I loved it. 
Um, for me, God moments on these trips are a lot of times very private moments. So I love to pray before the trip for God to use me to love on people, and that always happens. So conversations at midnight with a young woman that's hurting or someone like that are my God moments often. And I can't share this with you, but please know that God is at work on these trips, not just with the homeowners, but in our hearts and our souls as well. Another thing I want to share with you is so many of you um, shared financially and gave uh, so much toward this trip with supplies. And one of the things I'm really passionate about is making sure the supplies are used well and that we're good stewards to what is donated. And I really pushed. I had a hard time finding a um, mission or a food pantry to take our leftover food to. But after a couple of days of phone calls and a lot of questions, I did find a mission house in Houston where some of our people were able to take everything, you know, most everything that we didn't use. Um, the, the man that we met, his name is Horace, and they feed homeless in 15 different homes in downtown Houston. So even the chicken from Kroger that we weren't able to finish, he was able to bless uh, people with. So um, that for me is God at work in uh, getting to meet the men there that took the food and receiving sweaty hugs <laughs> from strangers. Um, God is good, and I'm really thankful for that. So. Thank you, Steve. I would say thank you for all of you here. Um, definitely, we try to provide as much opportunity for you to support financially uh, with resources, but the prayers, the notes of encouragement, the uh, comments on our Facebook page, just uh, the sending back teams would send back to people that uh, volunteered to, to pray specifically for the teams, those reports. Uh, that just really is all part of what is needed for uh, something to be uh, done like this. And it's part of what we see. God. Holy Spirit provides what we need to bless others and is testified by each one of those people. God's Spirit working through them, putting themselves in a position. You know, Stacy talked about we had leftover food and she felt a calling to be a, 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 a steward or a, a honoring to God with that and she then ended up being able to take that food that was left over from our trip to bless uh, homeless shelters and able to feed people in need. Uh, that's, that's, that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. I'm going to wrap up now and provide an opportunity for you. Uh, one opportunity is that you notice there's backpacks up here. Uh, our little ones are going back to school, and we've asked them to bring their backpacks, and we're inviting you, if you would like. Uh, Sarah Frisley will be up here to facilitate this, but come out here and pray. Uh, as together, a blessing on these backpacks. Uh, blessing not on the backpacks, obviously, but on the kids that will be carrying the backpacks and their families that will be uh, entering into the new school year with all of its challenges and opportunities. Secondly, um, we are in need of folks who are willing to serve as spiritual parents, spiritual grandparents, aunties, uncles, for our students, uh, I'm told that we need, uh, for our children, I'm told that we need 15 uh, folks in preschool and nursery to fill up what we need for the, the new fall season, and we need about five in our elementary. Uh, you might say, oh, I've never done this, I'm not sure. Well, find out. Go and ask. Uh, remember, God's Spirit will provide what you need in order to fulfill that calling, and so take a chance and ask the question. There's a wall out there where we've provided that opportunity to say yes. Thirdly, 
If you would like to be, uh, have prayer, we have individuals, uh, elders are here who will be able to pray with you in person. Uh, as the shepherds of the flock, God provides them the gifts they need to uh, perform this ministry. And so if you have a prayer need, uh, please come and share that with them and they will pray with you. If you have a, a question to ask about what's next in your walk of faith, uh, ask them that and they will be able to point you in the right direction, help you with that. I'm going to close with prayer, and after that, we will be dismissed to uh, proceed as you need. Come for the backpacks, say yes, uh, come for prayer if you need, if you need to head on home. Uh, just know that God works through us and provides us what we need to bless another as long as you are available to him. Let's pray. Lord, thanks for this time together. Thanks for the blessing of this trip. Thank you so much for all the good things that we've been experienced. I thank you for the protection of uh, the team to Houston. That's something uh, you think about all the logistics of travel and the work and the dangers that, that are therein, but uh, no one was hurt. No one was hurt, uh, seriously injured. I thank you that uh, we're able to uh, be a family and to endure uh, with joy just what uh, came to us and just the, uh, the witness of your power at work. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless. Thank you for listening to the Mount Carmel Christian Church Podcast. You can find out more about us on the web at mtcarmelchurch.org.